Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 204 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. We are recording a day late, Ray, because um, we, we have a good excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so. What's up, Joe? Uh, not much. Not much. Um, the reason why we were a day late is because Ray was out of town. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't record yesterday. Plus, it was Father's Day. But um, on top of that, he was actually out here. So we got to hang out for the first time in like, what, two years? Yeah, I kind of felt I'm like, didn't we just record a podcast? But no, it was just you and me hanging out. <laughs> right. And just, you know, so the audience knows like half the time we were like, we started talking about something. And we're like, oh, we can't talk about that. We have to talk about that on the show. <laughs> yeah, that happened quite a few yeah, we start talking about something else. Oh no, we can't talk about that. We got to talk about the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It was great to see you, though, man. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Got to do that more now that the pandemic is is uh, a little less of an issue, and we yeah can, uh, get together a little bit more often. We, uh, I mean, uh, people may not know this, but you know that I'm out there every year at this time for my work retreat. Right, uh, and we've and we talked about it, but we've never managed to actually, you know, hang out. And then I just decided to stay out for the weekend for my birthday this year. Um, and it worked out. Uh, although, <laughs> I have to say, you know, we got together. We had a nice uh, outdoor dinner. But uh, one way it didn't work out was the weather. Oh, uh, so hot. <laughs> it was now, so hot. <laughs> people are thinking, oh, Palm Springs. No kidding. It's hot, right? Aren't you used to that by now? But this is different. Yeah, it was. I think we got to 123 that day. <laughs> That just sounds so bizarre. Oh, they all loud. And of course, when I made the reservation for the restaurant, because like, okay, so since back even before, just before the pandemic, like if you wanted to go to a restaurant, unless it was a brand new restaurant that was really like hyped, you could walk in and you could get a table. Like you didn't have to get reservations. Maybe if it was a special weekend, like mm-hmm. when Coachella was out here, sure, you'd make reservations just to make sure. Mm-hmm. But now, because of the limited capacity uh, and because people are just like done being inside, like you, <laughs> if you don't make a, a reservation like a week in advance, forget it. You're not, you're not eating out. That's nuts. So when I made the reservation, I'm like, of course, you know, it'll be warm, but they have, they have misters and, you know, 105, it's not going to be too bad. No, yeah, 123, <laughs> that, that is bad. <laughs> we just melted. Really bad. Yeah. Um, good thing that the conversation and company was so pleasant because otherwise, uh, you know, I don't think I would have been able to stand it. But it, time just kind of flew by, to be honest. Yeah, it really went by. I mean, we spent a good, what, five hours together that evening? I know. Yeah. And, and it just like, because after dinner, we went to my favorite little speakeasy um, bar. Which was and, fantastic. Which is, right. The first bar I've been in since quarantine ended. Same. And yeah. And so it was just, it was so nice. And I got to meet Rosie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we 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 bonded over <laughs> over Marvel. You got to put a face <laughs> to all that MCU trauma by meeting Rosie. <laughs> yes. So like, it was just a wonderful day. I was so happy you could come out and I can't wait until we can do something like that again. So what were some of the things that we could not talk about in person? Well, we didn't talk about Loki, but I don't know that we could talk about Loki today because we've got to talk about it next week. Um, right. 
And we right. were going to talk about In the Heights, but that's what we're talking about this week. Right. But you have <laughs> continued your, your MCU watch, though. I have. I have. I have watched one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine movies wow. since we last recorded. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Basically, basically, I'm doing one a day. Right. And um, so we did The Incredible Hulk. Oh, you did catch up with that one. Okay. We did do The Incredible Hulk. We didn't Would do it you? as a group. Oh, we didn't do it as a group watch because, you know, it's it's not on Disney Plus, so I don't mm-hmm. want to try and figure out how to how to group watch it. So we're just kind of like, if this is your thing, watch it on your own. We'll we'll, we'll discuss. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I am trying to decide if it or if Thor 2 uh, is the 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 bottom of the the list for me because both of okay. those are t- not terribly good movies. <laughs> yeah, how did that how did that Ed Norton Banner Hulk movie land for you? I mean, besides not good. Yeah, it was just it was like. Where do you think it fell short? I think in a lot of the early Marvel movies, the women are very flat characters. Oh, there was yeah. nothing to Betty Brant. Um, was it Betty Brandt? No, it's not Betty no, Brandt. Betty, Betty Brandt uh, is a Spider-Man character. Betty yeah, Ross. Yeah. Betty Ross. Yeah, there, there's nothing to Betty Ross. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to... I understand why Natalie Portman didn't want to play... Um, mm-hmm. What's her name? Jane, Jane, Jane Foster. Foster. Because like, it's just not... like There's nothing to that character. Like, I was annoyed by Jane Foster. You know, and I like, yeah, I like Natalie Portman as an actress, mm-hmm. but I was just like... No, like you're you're so giddy schoolgirl. I mean, granted, if I like ran into Thor, like I don't know, <laughs> I would be much different. It looks a little bit different on a gay guy than it does on a straight woman in this day and age. <laughs> oh, that's great. Have you watched Invincible yet? I have not watched Invincible yet. All right. We gotta we gotta talk about the gay best friend and catch up with that show. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Honestly, I, you know, Jane Foster, as you said, is just kind of a blank. She doesn't annoy me as much as she's just kind of there. Uh, but Betty Ross in The Incredible Hulk, I do find annoying. Uh, I don't know what led Liz Tyler to the choice of that kind of breathy, kind of vocal tone that she does. Yeah. Uh, but it's distracting for me every time I see that movie. <laughs> yeah. La- and, last uh, week was a little rough as we, we kind of like, it was like, oh, this is a great movie. Oh, this is not a great movie. Oh, this is a great movie. Oh, this is not a great movie. Um, <laughs> I do appreciate Iron Man 3. I think this is only the second time I saw it. And I'm like, I see, I see why this is on uh, Ray's list. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Th- Thor Dark World was just, like, I would say it's close to unwatchable. Really? I that movie's grown on me. Every single time I rewatch it, it grows on me a little bit more. Like I just I I I think when we were well, I'm gonna do my shout out early. Um Chelsea has been with me on almost every movie. Yeah, watched. she has. And she, she's just been hanging in there. Yeah, she's a ride or die for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah I very much appreciate it, Chelsea. And then I actually got to to hang out with Lyle for the latter half of uh, Avengers Age of Ultron last night, which was awesome. Mm. But um, but yeah, we we kind of just said the the movie was trying to do too much. Mm. Like if they had like split it up into a couple different movies, it might have been 
better, but I don't know that I would have wanted multiple movies of that. So You're talking about Dark World? Yeah, Dark World. Okay. This is just, just just trying to accomplish too much. Right, right. Um, what a different just backtracking a little bit, what a different iteration of Hulk we get from Incredible Hulk to Avengers. Oh, it makes such a, it looks like a huge jump. Night and day. Even even visually. It is. You could tell they were. I mean, it. It seems like every Hulk movie we had gotten up to that point, up to Avengers, is the the design of Hulk is leaps and bounds better than the previous version, right? Right. Like I don't know how they make it look like the comic book Hulk, but still make it look like Mark Ruffalo. So true. It is Kirby's Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Which is the answer. I mean, that's that was always it seems like Kevin Feige, you know, not that he's not doing a bunch of genius shit because I know he is. But it seems like his one successful go to every time is what the comics do. (laughs) Just do that. Which you'd think that they'd learn that that's the key (laughs) nowadays. But apparently some people still don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I was okay with the original Thor. I thought it did its job. It introduced everybody. Avengers was amazing. Like the only I, the only thing that original Thor gets wrong to me is Thor's eyebrows. Oh God! Because <laughs> they're blonde. Eyebrow comments. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> they are That's a very huge, blonde. Very blonde, and it changes his entire look for some reason. Yeah, no, he definitely gets like they 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 really do kind of understand the Thor look later as as mm-hmm. Thor goes forward. Have you seen him for the next one? He's huge. Yeah, he. So people are saying that 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 one photo that he posted went viral because of his skinny legs, and you know that it's a thing, right? In the in the fitness community, that guys will go for you know, the, the, the bigger arms and chests, you know, mm-hmm. and shoulders, because that's what looks impressive. And then they skip leg, leg day, right? A lot, of, a lot of bros out there just skip leg day and they end up looking comical because they have tiny little itty bitty chicken, chicken legs compared to their big bulky upper bodies. And that's what Chris Hemsworth, because uh, Chris Hemsworth's photo looked like. And some people come out and said, no, look, you know, they pointed at other photos of him, you know, around that time showing, no, look, it's actually the angle of the photo, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it is the angle because his, <laughs> his workout stuff, like, yeah, the man's, yeah. the man's huge. The man was huge before he started doing like, I'm going to be a fitness guru. And now he's just colossal. Right. And, and other people have actually pointed out that he's in the process of also preparing to film a Hulk Hogan bio uh, doc- documentary. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Like, I, I'm very <laughs> curious about that. Like, So people are saying that he's so huge because of that. Because his training for Thor, Love and Thunder has to tie into his training for the Hulk Hogan movie. He works hard. Like, yeah. I know I know people he's are like, well, he's just working out. But you know what? That's that's a shit ton of work. I, I kind of miss, I think I'm going to miss uh, short hair Thor from Infinity War and Endgame because... That actually not just Infinity War because uh, uh, and and Ragnarok I should say because uh, in in Dark World his hair has grown longer since it's kind of cool actually in Thor one his hair he's got kind of this like shoulder length bob and then in uh, the next time we see him in Thor two it's longer and he's doing the ponytail thing which looks pretty rad and then in Avengers it's longer oh sorry Avengers and then Thor two right. Um, it's longer and you can see it grow. So by the time we get to Ragnarok and it gets shaved, it's a totally different look, which looks cool. But now it looks like, you know, because in Endgame, he's got the long 
kind of uh, Lebowski look yeah. <laughs> going. <laughs> We're getting more of that in Love and Thunder. I'm, I think I'm going to miss the, the short hair Thor. I think that's my favorite look of his. I, I would agree. I would absolutely agree. So yeah, yeah, it was it was it's been a it's been a trip. Like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which I kind of don't remember with as much fondness as I think I should. Why? Well, like I love that movie. Yep, I absolutely love that movie. I, I think more than the original Guardians. Agree. Um, Mantis and and Drax are everything. Like I just I could watch an entire two hours of them. Yeah, I feel like Guardians One is the comedy. Just like straight comedy, mm-hmm. and Guardians Two has a ton of heart. It really does. It really. It's the first time in the rewatch that I've teared up. Okay, wow. You mean the original Avengers? I'm sure it still landed great. Oh yeah, it landed, but it's not. It's not a sentimental. Right, like, right, right. Like it's a yeah, this is awesome kind of feeling. It's not a mm-hmm. you know tear up kind of feeling and and we were talking last night because we just watched age of ultron last night we're talking about how much work that movie does i don't know that it's a great movie as far as the full like 23 go i don't know that it hits the the top but it does a lot of work in that movie yeah um age of ultron reminds me of those stories that are sort of taking place in the midst of a major crossover event and still manage to be good. And it's just because you love the characters and you want to spend time with them. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking of those, like I was a big fan of, of generation X mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that story was very much its own thing. It was very different than the, the main X-Men comics that were going on at the time. So even when it had to participate in uh, you know, in the, in the big crossover thingy, it was just going to be a different version of that where you kind of get a smaller story and you get to focus more on the characters. And I feel like while Ultron age of Ultron is still a big story. Um, it's just the Joss pulls it off in just the little character interactions that are what are what make that movie pay off for me. Yeah. Like it, it establishes so much. I think, I think, I don't think I realized how much it does to like solidify Hawkeye's role Mm-hmm. In the Avengers, can you believe they wanted to cut that scene? He had a fight for that scene. I, I don't know. Wait, wait, which specific scene? The scene in the cabin. The whole thing. Yep. Ugh. No. 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 He like, had a fight. He had a fight to keep that. Yeah. It, it, like he's nothing without like that. That that establishes so much of the character, and. I think for me, my favorite thing is because again, you don't remember every little detail. And at the end of Endgame, he has a moment with um, with Wanda because they've both, you know, had these huge losses. And I forgot that that kind of parallels a moment they have in Age of Ultron, where he's kind of like, "If you go out there, you're an Avenger." Right. You know, like, like That's it like kind of does establish that they have this this relationship that we don't necessarily think about novel. That might be my favorite moment of Age of Ultron. I know that that moment really resonated with Rosie hard when we were watching it, when, I mean, they're just, you know, she's freaking out because the moment's too big for her. Mm-hmm. And he gives her that little pep talk, kind of a pep talk. Like <laughs> he's more saying like, if you're going to stay, that's cool. But if you're going to go, you know, like now's the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. Joss, fought hard to keep 
the cabin scene in, and he fought hard against the Thor mystical pool scene. Mm. And if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, correct me on Slack if I'm wrong, but I do believe that his compromise was, okay, fine, I'll do the Thor scene, which I hate, if you'll allow me to keep in the cabin scene. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, you did, like... It establishes how how much of a of the heart of everything and kind of the, the grounding that Hawkeye mm-hmm. provides. Like, yep. I'm just a dude with a bow and arrow. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what this I do. Is ridiculous. None of this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but best fight scenes has to go to Winter Soldier. Holy shit, that movie is amazing. It's a cut above. It really raises the stakes on everything at that point. Marvel. Yeah, that's yeah. why the Russo brothers got. That tapped on the shoulders for Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame after that. Yeah, and it, and it makes complete sense because the the action sequences in that, uh, I'm sure everybody's watched those action films where you're like, okay, this this car chase has gone on way too long, mm-hmm. or you know this this shootout or roof chase has gone off way too long. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's like, okay, I don't think like more, please. I, I wait. Mm-hmm. What you're gonna you're gonna bring them in? No, stop. Yep. <laughs> I want to see them beat each other up more. What an inspired choice by Kevin Feige as well, because the Russos had primarily been known for com- episodes of Community before that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the action that they're met, that that they're the kinetic energy that they imbue those fight scenes with. Really, that's a perfect way of putting it. It is very. There's so much kinetic energy. You're just waiting for the next thing to, yeah, to explode. Yeah, and you not, feel every punch and every kick and every thud and every, you feel it. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things. Like I always go to to the first time I really noticed it was in Michael Bay's Transformers, mm. where I'm watching. I'm like, I don't understand. Like I can't. I can't follow this fight. Mm-hmm. Like there's too much going on and there's yeah. not enough of a moment. You're not pausing on any of the hits. You're not like, I'm just seeing a lot of CGI and I'm not understanding what's going on. Well, I don't think I've ever felt that in any of the Marvel movies. Well, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's direction in uh, Batman begins and dark Knight is, is infamous for that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where it's that shaky cam thing to give this gritty realness, like a documentary footage, but you can't see anything. And there's this great video. I wish I could find it. I wish I, I know off the top of my head what it was. But they talk about how Paul Greengrass actually popularized that technique uh, with his Jason Bourne movies. Mm. And uh, But the way he, of course, right? People always learn the wrong lessons. And right. the way Greengrass uses the, the, the that technique, that shaky cam technique, still gives the audience the information that it needs in order to orient itself. You know, but directors that wanted to mimic that just do the shaky thing without the actual information. Right. And right. Uh, and Christopher Nolan uses that in Batman Begins and Dark Knight, where you can't really see the they're too dark. The fight scenes are there's too much movement. You don't know who's fighting, who Batman is fighting at any given moment. Um, and I think the Russos come along, and in Winter Soldier, just right off the bat, they they I, in my opinion they they define superhero action going forward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact last night rosie and i uh started uh falcon and the winter soldier uh nice. so it's her first time watching and right away uh she's like who's i'm like you remember that guy he's called batrock and she's like 
no, I don't remember. Have we seen him before? And I'm like, yeah. So I pull up, I pause it, and I pull up, uh, you know, Cap's fight against Batroc from Winter Soldier. And we're watching it, and she goes, oh, yeah. And then, like, while we're watching the fight, we're like, holy shit, this is a great fight. <laughs> yeah, it really is. There's that one. There's the one on the, the highway with the Winter Soldier. Like, Yes. It's so good. It's what just about so good. Captain America on the motorcycle versus the, the jet? <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so well, there's cool. that. I mean, like, and then I think that's the one where he, uh, he, like, flexes the the helicopter, isn't it, in this, that episode? No, no, no. That's Civil War. Oh, is that Civil War? Okay. Yeah, okay. that's where Bucky's trying to take off at Civil War, I believe. Gotcha. And he chases him up to the, to the top of the roof. Maybe that's Winter Soldier. But, um, yeah, so, okay, let me ask you, um, did you follow through with your uh, – you had a planned double feature for Guardians 1 and 2. Did you do that? Yes, we did a we did a double feature for Iron Man um, 1 and 2, and then we did a double feature for Guardians 1 and 2. And, and did Matt join you for Guardians 1 and 2? Most of it. Yeah, most of it. He was really enjoying it. Um, okay, I think more of two than one – um yeah. he he had some stuff he had to get done bef- during one so he but he spent more time doing watching two and he enjoyed it okay cool cool so where are you at now uh so tonight uh we're doing ant-man which i'm excited about because i just kind of list that as one of my favorites so i'm interested to see how it stands up now that i've been wa- i've got it it makes so much it's so much better watching them like this <laughs> both the order and and honestly the proximity to one another mm-hmm. because then you don't forget what's going on like i think about how much time i spend in the theater trying to remember what was going on in these movies hmm. well, because we got them so spread out apart yeah we did yeah um but i also feel like i've you know in the case that the previous movie is already out and available to watch. I've probably seen it a couple more times before the new one comes in theater. And maybe, and maybe that's what I, maybe that's what I did wrong. Maybe I haven't been watching because a lot of these I've only seen the once. Uh, Matt's oh. not a big person on rewatching things. And like when I said I was going to do this, he was like, why, why would you rewatch it? Like, <laughs> why, why would you not? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I got, I think I saw Avengers three or four times in the theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life of a single man. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, the, no, no truer words have ever been spoken. <laughs> That's great. What do you have up next? Um, so I've got Ant-Man, and then uh, I'm trying to remember what's after Ant-Man. Like, we're, we're, we're headed into all the single movies. Like, oh, Doctor Strange yeah. is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Panther's coming up. <laughs> So yeah, so I think we've got. I think we've still got eight or nine movies before we hit Infinity War and Endgame. Cool. I'm trying to think of the geeky stuff I did this week, and I'm like, Loki hung out with my geeky bud in Palm Springs. <laughs> uh, well, talking to Winter Soldier last night. It's all Marvel stuff. The the only other thing I've done is I, the last just started yesterday. I've been trying to get. I've been trying to do it for a while, but. It was on the Sundance channel and I didn't have the Sundance channel. I didn't know if I wanted to subscribe to the Sundance channel, but like, I feel like when I'm doing that to myself, if I like three or four times go to see if I can find a way around it, I'm like, okay, I just need to get it for a month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went and started uh, leverage again. Do you know this series at all? 
Yes. Uh, and it's the Slack is not the only place that I've seen people talking about it, but I've, I've never watched. A lot of people love it. I, I know our Slack, we have quite a few people who enjoy it. I I had only seen like the first five episodes and I did not realize that there are like four, four or five seasons of it. And so I'm kind of like I marathoned yesterday and I will probably marathon again today just because it's, you know what? It's mindless. I can do other stuff while I'm, I'm watching it. And it, it really is just, I like heist stuff. Um, When we first started watching it, Matt was like, nope, too silly too too many things I can pick apart in it. So, so we didn't watch it together, but I am enjoying it. And apparently a new, um, they're, they're coming out with a follow-up series this, uh, in, in July. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just finish up these seasons as quickly as I can (laughs) finish them and I'll join. And, and it's funny because one of the reasons why I started looking into it again is, well, first of all, it gets mentioned almost like monthly on the Slack, but um, I've been I've been doing all this research into role playing games, and every once in a while, when you start getting into like the the darker portions of the of the RPG lists, mm-hmm. like people who are like, okay, here's the like independent 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 RPGs. <laughs> there is a leverage RPG out there, and honestly, a lot of the um like TV series based RPGs are not very good. How do you even do that? Um, how do you do leverage or how do you do a, a how do like, you do a, a television show based RPG? And I'm assuming these are like fan made, right? No, no, no. These are like officially published licensed. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like people trying to comp trying to capitalize on whatever they can. Like let's, the series is going to be on for however many years. Let's just, Throw out as many <laughs> as many things as we can that'll bring us money. So, is it is what what makes it sort of like off 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 Broadway? Is it because there's not a ton of overlap between, say, fans of a show like Leverage and RPGers? I think there's a little bit of that. I think it's just it wasn't very popular. Like you can get like PDFs of it now, but I don't think the books are in print anymore. Like you can't even get them off of Amazon, right? Um, and the, the thing that everybody goes to is why this, this game is so brilliant is, um, the, the characters in the TV show, um, all five of them have a specialty. There's the mastermind, there's the grifter, there's the thief, there's the hacker, and there's the muscle. Mm. And yet they've got, you know, they're good at different parts of what the other people can do. A, A lot of them have, you know are good at playing different characters. So when they have to infiltrate places, it's, you know, they, they go in and they, they can be convincing, but yet mm-hmm. the person who's a thief, she has no ability to do that whatsoever. Uh-huh. And so anytime she's supposed to be playing a part, she's terrible at it. And it's hilarious. That's great. But when you look at the way you build your character in the game, that's what it is. You pick your primary like skill set, and then your mm-hmm. secondary skill set. So you can have them kind of all covered and they have this really great um, mechanic where if you get into trouble, you can spend points to do a flashback scene where you explain why you prepared for the or how you prepared for this complication 
in the past. So you know in those heist movies and heist TV shows where you get through and you think they're going to be in trouble and then they get arrested and then all of a sudden it goes to the flashback of all the things that they put in place yeah. and that you didn't see was happening behind the scenes. Yeah. They, they have a mechanic for that in this game. Why? That's, uh, yeah, like, ha. I guess I don't know enough about RPGs to probably even understand the answer, but my brain just wants to go like, how the fuck did they pull that off? Yeah, so so like you you get into a place and you um, this is going to be a terrible example, but it's the only thing I can come up <laughs> right now. Like like the um, the guards kind of surprise you in the TV show. You're like, oh, they got surprised, but then you see that there's like a, a like a trap or something that's been set that they set off, and they're no longer a problem. But you didn't see the character set that trap, mm. so the flashback scene would be. Ah, but before I started doing this, I actually set this trap. And so now you can explain away why that complication isn't a problem. Wow. <laughs> so, somebody lo- somebody put so much love into this. this oh, that, honestly, that's what people are like. People like never has a, an RP because like <laughs> RPGs very often you'll have a heist session. Like you'll have in D and D the, th- you'll go, okay, I'm going to, I've got a thief in my group. He hasn't been able to like flex his muscles in a while. So let's do a heist session. So in this, we're going to do a heist story in this session. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few games that apparently does it really, really well and really captures the spirit of those like classic heist, the, the classic heist genre. That's great. I wish it was more popular. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of. It's kind of gra- glad. I'm kind of glad that it isn't because I got the the PDF for free, so I'm not gonna complain. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm actually thinking of tossing it into Slack because um, we've got so many fans; they might just enjoy reading it, seeing the pictures and stuff. It seems like for anything that you're into, any kind of property, there's probably an RPG game that exists for it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I really need to look into Buffy and Dresden because those are both properties that I've heard and those are that I love and I've heard that their RPGs are actually decent. Do you remember when like I think it was the early 2000s when every single shitty movie that came out had a shitty video game that would come out yes. with it? Yes, and then and then a crappy comic to go with it. Yeah. The comic yeah. the comic book guys version of the movie. Yeah, that's so true. But I just remember like playing like Spider-Man 2, like some Spider-Man 2 game. You're just like, not that that's a shitty movie. It's a great movie. But like, it, you know, just whatever Die Hard would come out with a game. You'd be like, what? Why? Like, <laughs> why is this random action movie have a video game attached to it? There's no reason for it. Yeah. <laughs> and they were so bad. Just do that. Now the RPG versions are just are better. Apparently. Yeah. Cool. So that's it, and and you you just kind of stuck to to Marvel, and you you had a busy week. <laughs> yeah, I did, and I'm dying to talk about Loki with you. Yeah i I really need to do more of those. the The Wednesday thing is throwing me off. Like I used to plan for t- Fridays, watch the Marvel thing, and then like that would give me Saturday. Honestly, Sunday before we started recording, I would like go through all the videos about all the Easter eggs. Well, what I'm enjoying about the Wednesday release is that previously when it was a Friday release, yeah, Nerdist and new rock stars and whatever would have their stuff out by Sunday. 
But my favorite one, which is Eman's movie reviews, would not. His mm-hmm. his ep- his take would usually drop while you and I were recording our episode. So now his take is out, and I'm able to consume that before we record. So I, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll do episodes two and three next weekend. Yes, sounds good. All right. All right, cool. Well, why don't we why don't we wrap this up and we'll go to a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll we'll discuss uh, in the heights. Yes. All right, we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, New, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. And we are back. So, yeah. our episode's are already pretty long. Can you imagine how much longer they'd be if we just kept recording through the break? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> well, if we ever get my, if I can ever get my act together and we do like live video, the the <laughs> will be able to watch that as we, yeah, as they start going. Hey guys, we're gonna have to get going. It's been three hours. <laughs> No kidding. We're here for the geeky shit. As much as we like hearing about your, uh, <laughs> what, what else is going on in your life? Uh, uh, okay. So in the Heights, obviously one of my favorite plays did enjoy the, the movie. Did you get a chance to finish the movie and watch the, the, the slime tutorial? <laughs> I did actually. Um, though I gotta say, I maybe didn't make the best choice. I, I finished the movie and immediately jumped into the YouTube video and I just, you know, I, I, I sat through it, but I don't know that re- recollection was there was there with me the whole time. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, what a huge difference, first of all, between seeing something on stage and seeing, you know, watching a movie of it. Yeah, it makes a big difference. It's not quite the spectacle that the movie is, mm-hmm. but it's a, spectacle, it's a spectacle in its own right. Yeah, I kind of feel actually like something is lost a little bit in the movie, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that's really frustrating. I mean, I I always use the example of in Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the stage play. I don't like the movie. They they've taken out enough to just kind of disnify it that yeah. kind of defeats the purpose. And the whole exciting thing about it is, you know, you've got to build this enchanted forest on stage, and they've got to move through it. And you have to believe yeah. that they're in different places in this forest. Yeah. And when you turn that into CGI, it's just not the same. So speaking of the Disneyfication, uh, it seems like it keeps happening with these these musicals. What what is that? What do you think the motivation is behind that? Well, I see in this one particular, I really do think they were like, we don't want a negative representation of this group of people. Huh. So I can okay, I am not a fan of musicals. You know this. This is just, you know, I'm just not, I'm not a theater person, 
But off the top of my head, I can think of uh, Grease, um, Into the Woods, and now In the Heights, that the movie version is sanitized compared to the stage version that, you know, has a lot more kind of, I want to say raunchy, but like definitely like NSFW themes. Right. Right. Right, absolutely. I mean, not crazy NSFW because I did this show no. for for a high school, but yeah. I would not do Grease for a high school because <laughs> right. in order to do it correctly, you have to like either you water it down completely and it it's awful to have to sit through, or yeah. you do it the right way and it's completely inappropriate for teenagers to be performing in. <laughs> right, and so that's what makes me wonder. Like, it seems like if, if it was just in the Heights, I could see oh, okay, yeah, it's representation, blah blah. But it just seems like a thing that people think has to be uh, uh, applied when you are adapting these stories for this for for, for film. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they figure, look, we're trying to reach a wider audience here. You know, not that many people go to the theater, but everyone fucking watches movies. So here's our chance to draw in like a general audience. Right. Well, I think there's that. And again, I do think that there was some decisions made to sterilize the portrayal of an immigrant population. Do you think that Lin-Manuel Miranda was behind those decisions? Um, I think he probably had to make compromises. See, I, I've been looking for any sort of, you know, writing or documentation on this, and I haven't been able to find it. Because I'm wondering, is it was he, you know, was he fighting the good fight? Or was he one of the people saying, yeah, let's, you know, let's do this. I don't want to portray anyone in a negative light. See, I don't think that would be him because I mean his whole like his his plays are meant to challenge people. Even if you're not a fan of them, mm-hmm. like he does he is putting the, out there he at least my understanding is he's trying to put out there things that make people think about situations a little differently. Yeah. So I don't think he tends to shy away from this kind of like I mean, he wrote the play in the first place, so why would he go, oh, yeah, it needs to be, like, right. cleaned up and sanitized? Right. I don't know, man. I I'm I have a lot of questions about some of his choices, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I feel for the guy, honestly. Like, I, I agree with the people that are calling him out, but I, I also feel for him because I do think that his ideas are rooted in a, a good place. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, you know, this is the second thing that I've seen of his now uh, after Hamilton. And I think the same problems persist and they're not the problems with music, with, you know, lyrical quality. Um, he's obviously immensely talented. Yeah. But, you know, there's other things at play here. He's certainly ambitious. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely (laughs) like let alone just writing an entertaining play or or stage musical but to then on top of that be like i'm gonna represent this entire faction of people it's like you're setting yourself up for failure man yeah i mean okay so he did and just to 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 he did i can't find it i was looking back through slack to see where it is but he did apologize for um not thinking of the diversity that he was representing mm-hmm. in his movie. Yeah. Um, I have and, it here. Oh, go ahead. You want to read it? Yeah. It's, it's, he, he typed this out and he sent out a screenshot on Twitter 
And it said, I started writing in the Heights because I didn't feel seen. And over the past 20 years, all I wanted was for us, all of us, all caps, all to feel seen. I'm seeing the discussion around Afro-Latino representation in our film this weekend, and it is clear that many in our dark-skinned Afro-Latino community don't feel sufficiently represented within it, particularly among the leading roles. I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism of feeling still unseen in the feedback. I hear that without sufficient dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation, the work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. In trying to paint a mosaic of this community, we fell short. I'm truly sorry. I'm learning from the feedback. I thank you for raising it, and I'm listening. I'm trying to hold space for both the incredible pride in the movie we made and be accountable for our shortcomings. Thank you for your honest feedback. I promise to do better in my future projects, and I'm dedicated to do... To, and I'm dedicated to the learning and evolving we all have to do to make sure we are honoring our diverse and vibrant community. Siempre LMM. I feel like that's a, like, like we always talk about doubling down. I feel like that's the, a great example of not doubling down. Absolutely. A hundred percent. He hit all the points that he needed to hit. Yeah. And that's well why done. I think he is. I do think he's sincere. I don't think yeah. he's trying to not, represent people or and and i so so now that you've seen the the stage version Mm -hmm. what do you think about the two compare story-wise comparatively i mean i think that the stage version is infinitely more interesting as a story Mm -hmm. for sure uh i it feels more honest to my experiences although i know that you know my experiences aren't everyone's experiences even within my own community Mm -hmm. um but it feels more real. It feels more honest. Um, and for me, honestly, just as someone who loves storytelling, it the movie story didn't hold me really. Like I, I didn't, you know, like it, it just, like you said, there was not really any conflict or the conflict didn't feel, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, it just didn't feel pressing. You know, there was no urgency to it. No, no urgency. Thank you. Yes. And so, um, yeah, it, it also took me out of the story a couple of times where, you know, the guy, the, the father all of a sudden gets it. And it's like, wait, he didn't get it for a moment. Nothing changes. We don't see why his position changes unless it's the scene of um, the black character, you know, to, but that doesn't make any sense. Cause at that point he's never actually opposed to, to, that guy's relationship with his daughter in the movie. So I don't know why all of a sudden he, he has this epiphany of, Oh, you see a future that I can't see. So here's the moment where you become better than me. Mm. And I'm like, what, where did that come from? Like, how? (laughs) Right. where's the resolution? Where's the growth? You know? Right. So if I'm I'm going into spoiler warning territory guys, because if you haven't seen the stage play, I'm going to go through and do comparisons and, and we're going to talk about them because I think it's really important into Mm -hmm. in addressing, addressing why this movie didn't have, why, why it was so apparent and stark that this movie didn't have the representation that, you know, people wanted it to have. Because I think they were applying old story to new movie. Mm. And I think that that's the problem. So so some major changes that I think really did this movie wrong were, first of all, let's talk about Nina's family. So her father is her only parent in the movie. But in the play, 
he has a wife and her mom's there and involved. And I feel like it rounds out the characters so much more than in the movie. I don't remember, but in the play, is her mom cast as black? No. Is Nina black in the, in the play? No. Is her father black in the play? No. And it misses the mark. <laughs> but you're, but no, it doesn't because the whole the whole storyline that they take out of it mm-hmm. is that Benny is black, right? And they do not want her dating Benny because he is black. But in the movie, Nina, right, right, is cast as Afro Latina, light skin Afro Latina, but Afro Latina, right? And her dad is Jimmy Smits. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, she must have a black mom, and why don't we see the black mom at all? You know what I mean? We, we see no moms in the movie, and even Abuela, who is like the community mom. Oh, don't even get me started with Abuela. D- doesn't have doesn't have the role she has in the play, and in the play, it's the same woman. Oh no. Yeah, it's the same woman. (laughs) Oh, are you not a fan of Abuela? She shouldn't be white. (laughs) Like they here's the thing, Joe. Like, I'm I'm very interested in your take, but when it comes to representation, I just don't think that a white person knows the community enough well enough to say they actually got that right. You know what I mean? It's like a straight person saying, No, they nailed the gay themes of that. It's like, dude, what what? Like, shut up. I I completely (laughs) understand that. And I'm 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 looking at it from from a completely different perspective. I'm looking at it from a story perspective. Right. I I, I do think that in the original play, because you've got that racism sub story, Mm -hmm. it makes more sense for the main characters to be of lighter skin. Right. Right. Because they are not, because it's that whole idea of kind of gathering around your people. Yes. If that makes any sense. Yes, absolutely. And and so I feel like in the play, it's like, okay, it makes sense because of course, you know, Mm -hmm. like in order for this person to be racist against the kid that his daughter is dating. Right. It doesn't make sense to have all these other people also of that ethnicity. Right. But, but when you take that (laughs) story out, but you don't change the color of the mm-hmm. other characters. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have any reason for that representation to not be there. Right. Absolutely, I agree with that. And so that's so that's my my big thing is like when we first talked started talking about it last week. I'm like, I know that there is a reason why this makes sense in the play, and I can tell. I understand. Like, I I can see why people are having problems with it in the movie. But mm-hmm. what am I missing? What is the how can they be right in the play and wrong in the movie? And it's because of that subplot. Yeah. Because Benny, the the dad literally says he, he is not, he does not speak Spanish. He is not of our people. He right. is not, you, you are not to be dating him. Right. And then all of a sudden it makes sense. Okay. There is racism here. It makes sense why people are cast the way they are cast. Yeah. Um, and my position on this is honestly, and I, and I'm not trying to begrudge anyone's enjoyment of this, you know, this play or this story. Um, I think that kind of gets lost in the mix there where, you know, I can understand the reasons why 
a, a thing that I love falls short mm-hmm. and I can still love it and recognize that it falls short. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't need the things that I love to be perfect. Mm-hmm. They're just not, that's just the, that's the, I don't think that's even attainable to be honest with you. So, right. I would agree. Um, I, I feel for Lin-Manuel because he's very talented, but I don't think he has good ideas. I don't think that his concepts that he thinks are groundbreaking are actually serving the communities that he's telling himself he's serving. Interesting. And this is as somebody who is not white and who makes things and who makes things and creates things for the the consumption of the general public, which is majority white. I think we have to be very careful about how we package our culture for the consumption of people outside of our culture. We have to be very, very, very careful. (laughs) So that, so on on that note, do you think that is why there's no conflict in the movie? Do you think that's what they were doing is they were trying to like sanitize, like, like I've said, sanitize the culture so that nobody's getting angry. Nobody's upset. Everybody's just kind of, Oh yeah. Oh, I totally see your point of view. And it's like in the play, they have full on fights. The mother like holds the father accountable for being a jackass. Um, the, 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 the moment in the movie that got me was the whole club scene. Like mm-hmm. Benny is mad at Nina. Nina mm-hmm. is mad at Benny. Vanessa is mad at Usnavi. Usnavi is a bad at Vanessa and nobody's right. Mm-hmm. Like they all have their reasons for not being in the right. And to me, that's a lot more complicated than what we got in the, the movie movie. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think that, there are some fatal flaws in the, in the conception of this story that just, it's like, it's your, no matter how well written or how well staged that particular scene is. And it cracks me up. It it really makes me laugh every time. Uh, uh, Is it uh, Usnavi? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's out that relief when he's trying to like, you know, he's jealous in the club and he's trying to like come back and, you know, like kind of like, uh, uh, how do I put it? Like throw it back at, um, not Nina, but who's the other female v- character? Vanessa. Vanessa. And so he's chatting up this woman in the club, trying to get her to dance with him. And <laughs> she uses all this wordplay and she goes, no hablo inglés. And he goes, yes. Like <laughs> that cracked me up because oh, like he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's well because he's so he's so less suave yeah. in in the, in the play. He's even less suave than he is in the movie, and right. like he's constantly tripping over his tongue. And so the fact that he's like completely like lays out all of his like yeah you know, best lines, and she doesn't know all of she doesn't know a single one of them. But in 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 the movie. Like she's like aggressive. She's too aggressive for him. She's she, he's like okay. I don't know what I got into. Like in in the the play, no, he's totally getting into her, mm-hmm. and and so he's trying to make Vanessa jealous because he thinks that she's trying to make him jealous. But it's his own damn fault for not you know <laughs> not asking her to dance in the first place, right? You know, there's all this stuff that that is comp- this complexity, and he tries to do it at the end too, when he's like trying to open the bottle of champagne, and she's like, "Dude, just like 
be with me in this moment, you know, but he right, can't. Right. He can't. And so I think moments like that are amazing. I think it speaks to, you know, his uh, Lin-Manuel storytelling ability. But here's what I'm, the reason I'm bringing these things up is because I'm saying, while I enjoyed those moments, I think that Lin-Manuel's conception of these stories have fatal flaws in them that he doesn't see. And I don't think that he, his, his goals, his intention is there, but we're at a point now as a society and as communities <laughs> that intent, you just don't, attention just doesn't matter as much as impact. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, someone can mean to not be racist and I'm not calling him racist, but I'm saying someone can mean to not be racist. But if you are being racist, you can't fall back on why I didn't mean to. Right. You just can't anymore. You have to own up and say, oh, okay, I see what I did there or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got two questions for you because I'm I will definitely be directing this show again in the future. I love mm-hmm. the show. I think it's good for the populations that I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see in the play version casting non uh, non lighter skin characters in anything except for maybe Nina's family doing a better job of rep? filling in that representation and does it still allow Nina's father to be racist? I mean, I does think that make if, sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if they're the only light skinned family in Washington Heights and they don't want their daughter dating a black guy, I think that absolutely probably rings true, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, here, here's the problem, right? Is that Lemon well, uh, conceptualize this story to be a story. Yes, it's called In the Heights and it takes place in Washington Heights and it's a very, very specific community that he's using. But his goal here is to represent the concept of Latinidad, which is the whole spectrum of Latin American identity. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Right away. er, Stop. Stop right there. No, no. Latin American identity is way too broad, way too broad and diverse a spectrum to for anyone to hope that they could try to represent this in a single play uh, without flattening the identities and experiences of people. You just can't do it. So stop there. Right. That's number one. Mm -hmm. So then number two, let's say, okay, let's say that you're dialing it down a bit. And you're saying, okay, in that case, I'm just going to try to represent this particular community of Washington Heights, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's look at that community. It is 90% Afro-Latino, that community. Mm -hmm. Is that reflected in the stage play? It's not. No, it's not. You know what I mean? So so I think his intention of, of, of representing all of Latinidad, too much of that seeped into using Washington Heights to represent that. And that's what people are upset about. Pick a different, first of all, you know, you could take a step in the right direction by not calling it Washington Heights, pick a different community, make up your own community, whatever. But even Mm -hmm. then, Mm -hmm. even then trying to say you're going to represent all of Latinidad, it's just, man, that's just a fool's errand. Like, (laughs) You're overreaching from the start. Yes, exactly. And so, but then he, 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 you know, he, he further, made an error, I think, in in setting it in this 
community that is predominantly Afro-Latino, Caribbean, you know, Lat- Latinx folks. That mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so really, if you were if you were going to be true to that, ninety percent of your characters, especially the the ones with storylines, should be darker skin. And then you know, if you wanted to have you know, Vanessa's, oh, sorry, Nina's family be, you know, the one light-skinned family in the group and them being anti-Black, that absolutely would ring true. Absolutely. But but Uznavi, Benny, you know, Vanessa, they should all be Black folks. Mm-hmm. So so that's that that's the larger criticism at play here, which is why I say, hey, the, the songs are great, you know, the, the lyricism is amazing, but but at its core, the and, and I feel the same way about Hamilton. To be quite honest, you with you, you know, like yeah, it's, I've heard a lot of pro- there's a lot I've heard a, a lot of complaints about Hamilton. It's super entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've talked so much about it with Rosie based on our viewing of In the Heights, and she had some great insights that that I'm going to share in a mo- in a moment. But you know, at its core, Hamilton is taking these white slave owners and saying, you know. Oh, you're cool now. You're black and brown and you benefit from all the cultural, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Ca- cachet or whatever that it's just like, ooh, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. And I think Lemon Well has the right intentions. I, I truly mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. But I just think that his ideas at their core, you know, are just have have that fatal flaw at best, you know, or, or sorry. At, yeah, at best. At worst, he's also he's late with it. Like maybe. You know, the idea of In the Heights was appropriate for its time, but we're at a point now as a society where we're, that's no, like that's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what scares me about making the art that I want to make. Not that I'm saying I'm on Lin-Manuel's level, but in terms of the paintings that I want to make, in terms of whatever, it's like, ooh, do I really want to take a snapshot of my understanding around these things to, you know, right, 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 <laughs> to, right. hold in, to hold an amber for 10 years from now where I can look back and go, ooh, shit, did I, get, you know, did I get that wrong? It's scary. And so I, I, feel for him as a creator who wants to include our culture into these things that we love. But even to me, the idea of like taking a storytelling form, an art form, like musical theater, which what is, I mean, what is the, the history of, of musical theater? Like what, what is the culture there? You know what I mean? What is the, what is the storytelling prism? there well i i've actually taken a a a class in college about how um musical theater and broadway tend to historically be on the the forward thinking edge of Mm. social change Mm. um and i mean but always not perfect like the number of uh, the number of plays that i just can't do ray like you just can't do in 2021 (laughs) Shows that I absolutely love, like they just don't play the same anymore. And yeah, and like there's a my one of my absolute favorite shows. It's one of the f- my favorite roles that I have ever played was um, the lead in Bye Bye Birdie, and it's basically telling the story of um, an Elvis Presley like character that's being sent off to war and how like his fans are all freaking out about it. And, and it's telling kind of the story of his, his agent and her and his agent's fiance. And then the, the, like this little group of kids around, cause they decide that, you know, as his publicist, he's going to have um, the, the main character give 
one last kiss to one of his fans before he ships out. And so it becomes this, you know, huge thing that they pick out one of the fans. And so it follows her and her story. But Albert, the main character, the character I played, um, his fiance is Rosie and she is a Latina. And there is this whole racism between Albert's mother and her, Mm. which you think, okay, this is a really good story considering it was like in the sixties. Yeah. Like big, big story. But then there's a number that Rosie does where she's like, all right, I forget the name of the mother. All right. You want me to be Spanish? I'll be Spanish. And she goes through all the like stereotypes that you could possibly think of in one song. Oh no! <laughs> and I mean, I'm like th- th- this part has been played by Cheetah Rivera. This part has been like it's not like thank God it, most of the time it's not a a white woman yeah. playing this character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I can't do this show. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't. I yeah. cannot in my right. Like I love the show. I love the music. I can't do it because, yeah. like, that does not play the way it did back in 1960. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? It's like there's so many things that I love. There's so many stories that I love, and I can love them and have affection and affinity for them, and still recognize, like, ooh, yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think as long as we're not doubling down, right, right, it's like it's okay to admit the flaws of the things that you love. Like that's okay. Can, can, have I have I have I talked to you about Carousel? I will never do Carousel. I don't think it's a good show. But have I ever talked to you about Carousel? No, please. Okay, do now. Carousel is about this this carnival barker, and he's trying to be a better person for his the woman he loves. He does not succeed. <laughs> and the last line of the play of the musical, I, I shit you not, Ray, is sometimes when you love some, it doesn't hurt so bad because he abuses her. <laughs> oh, God. And that is literally the last line of the musical. Oh, God. Yeah. And this is, this is a, this is a, uh, I want to say it's Rogers and Hammerstein. So this is not like some little independent. Oh, we got it all wrong. Right. Back in the day. No, this is, yeah, it's a Rogers and Hammerstein. And it was, um, it was 1945 is when this came out originally. Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't. do that anymore. No. No. <laughs> you just can't. It's, no. It is not like we have a thing. It at least makes you feel good that we have evolved past that. <laughs> right, right. To to the moon isn't landing anymore. Like it to did. the moon <laughs> is not landing. Anymore. No, it's not funny. Um, yeah, I think you know. For for me, it was seeing it. If I were to take the language of the storytelling language of superhero comic books, which mm-hmm. you know, comic books in general, that's too that's too broad a a, a storytelling language. But if I just took the tropes of superhero comics. Mm-hmm. And I decided to create that combined my love of superhero comics as Lemonwell did his love of, of musical theater with my culture. Right. And wanted mm-hmm. to tell a story about a Mexican superhero or about a Latino superhero or whatever. Um, there comes a point as a creator where I have to decide whether or not 
or how much each each thing gets that I'm trying to mix together. Mm-hmm. So like, because in order to tell it uh, in a superhero story way, it has to have certain tropes and, you know, superhero comics are very American and I'm trying to fuse my cultural, you know, knowledge and experience into this very American, i.e. white, you know, storytelling avenue where it's, it's a hard thing to parse. It's, it's not mm-hmm. easy and, and if I were to take that superhero comic and say, I'm going to represent all of Latinidad with this superhero, it's like, no, like you're already starting to do something that's very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were some scenes where I hear the, the singing and I hear the very familiar type of like Broadway singing, you know, sing talking or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And for it to be, you know, Latinos doing that, like it just like it's and they're and they're singing about, you know, their flags or their home country or whatever their experience. It just sounds weird to me. It just and that's mm-hmm. just me. That's just me. Rosie didn't really bounce off that as much as she did the content, the lyrical content, which I didn't really consider until she brought it up. She said, you know, even the even the idea of a sueñito, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, is Usnavi's whole driving force as a character is his dream, right? Right. While a dream is a sueño, a sueñito is a little dream. Mm-hmm. And Rosie's like, why does it got to be a little dream? Like, why do we, ha- why, why in the stories about us does it have to be this like, oh, just a little dream, just a little tiny, you know, like, don't ask for too much. Don't, don't, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a mm-hmm. little sueñito. And then, like, why is Usnavi singing about how, like, oh, we can take it. Yeah, you know, we're hot and the power goes out. But, hey, we we can persevere through that. Like, yeah, let's let's all dance and, and sing. And, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. not a good look. Like, I'm, when I started to think about it, I'm like, and this could be, like, the most cynical side of me when it comes to, you know, a uh, uh, race or social justice or whatever, but I'm like, God, of course this won a bunch of awards. Of course white audiences love this story because not only is it entertaining as fuck because it is, but also it eases that like white guilt of like, Oh, you see, but they're all happy. They're seeing, yeah, that they're, they're living in those, you know, poor ass neighborhoods, but look at how fulfilled they are. Like, look at how happy they are to just be here. Like, Oh, this just relieves me so much to no end. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know what? I gotta say, I I do think, and maybe it's different. Maybe you you took it differently. Um, watching the 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 stage play, mm-hmm. Suenito is not a thing in stage play <laughs> oh, at all. Like it's just not. Like, and the character of um, you know, they're like that scene that you're talking about. That song is in the play. Yeah, but I feel like it's played a lot more like. You know, stop complaining. We're gonna like, like it's it's in a different place in the story mm-hmm. where it's not about like we can get through this. It's kind of like like stop complaining. Yeah, <laughs> stop complaining. I'm tired of hearing you complain. Like it's 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 like when you're hanging out with your friends and people are bored, and yeah. somebody keeps saying I'm bored. And then yeah. you finally say, "Oh my God, stop saying I'm bored!" Like, right, right. Like, let's fix that. Stop being bored. <laughs> but in the movie, he's saying we're powerless, and the guy says, "Stop complaining." It's like that's what yeah, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I feel like I feel like that powerless thread is so mm-hmm. much more um, is so much more 
I don't want to say appropriate, but like again, it makes more sense in the in the play because it is like the play does not end. It has a, a semi-happy ending. It doesn't really have an ending. It has a to-be-continued feel. Mm. It has a, you know what, like, like, people are still having to move out. People still have lost their jobs. People still have, uh, like, it's like it's not this, like, happily ever after thing. It's a, yeah, it's a we have to move on. And, yes, Usnavi gets the money, but, and he does stay in the, you know, he, he does keep the bodega. Yeah. But, he doesn't like he's not married like he it literally you hear the like they didn't change the lyric for the music they just like did it as a flashback i'm going for the second date right. like he, like the second date hasn't happened in the play right right like he right. doesn't end with a child in the play yeah it ends with all right it it steps out of their story still in progress yeah, it's their story is still in progress, and it's not about like it. We're not going to wrap everything up in a tidy, tidy little bow. Yeah, you know, uh, it's like you know, they like Nina just flat out flunks out. She didn't miss a payment. <laughs> like she didn't. Like she flunks out. <laughs> yeah, and she has a whole speech about how how like it's not just like casual racism at Stanford. It's, it's racism on top of having to hold down two jobs and study full time and not wanting to put the burden on her parents. And like, it is a much more complex thing than my feelings are hurt. I don't feel like it fit in there and I don't want you to spend your money anymore. Right. Right. And you know, I, I feel like I need to remind anyone listening right now, you know, these are these are my opinions on this, you know. Um, certainly, I don't, I don't, and don't want to, and couldn't represent, like you know, the, a whole community just with my opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certainly friends of mine that are, you know, really, um, really uh, uh, successful writers and poets and people that say, "Hey, you know what? Why does every story out there have to be all about our pain and our suffering?" Why mm-hmm. do we not to get to see our own joy also represented? And so I can see in this movie, the movie production anyway, why they wanted to represent that joy and that celebration. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I just, you know, when a bunch of um, brown and black people are singing and dancing in joy in their, in their hood, you know, <laughs> for, for general audiences, it makes me cringe a little bit where I'm just like, Oh, like, yes, there is joy there. And I love my neighborhood that I grew up in. And I love, you know, the experiences that I had there, and I have a tremendous affection, but I don't want to let anyone off the hook, <laughs> you know, by, mm-hmm, by telling mm-hmm. them that, I, that I've generally had a happy life, even though there's been, you know, pain, just like everyone experiences pain, but you know, I, I, personally want to focus on the fact that we need to change conditions for people. And so I, right. I, again, I feel for Lin-Manuel because I feel like he's trying to walk this line and it is an impossible line to walk, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, a lot of the, and, and then on top of all that, you have the colorism. Yeah. You know, we're just like, ugh, like, and, and the director didn't have a good answer for it. And the actress, no. The actress that they asked had a terrible answer for it. And it's just like, do you not like prep? Don't they have PR people that like, you know, like to prepare you for these questions and to, and to you know, go out and promote this? Well, they, they probably do. And they're probably not preparing them because they're not of 
a background that would even think that these would be issues. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, again, I do not mean to begrudge anyone's enjoyment of this story. I certainly enjoyed parts of it. Rosie and I have plans to watch Hamilton because she's curious, you know, and I've told her like, man, I tear up in Hamilton. I've teared up twice, but you know, the idea of it still makes me go like, Ooh, yeah, that was a bad idea. And I think it's like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I may have talked about it before, but you know, I've, I have a few stories in mind that I want to tell that I've been wanting to tell forever. And one of those stories is a werewolf story because I love werewolves and it's set in the neighborhood that I grew up in. And in the, you know, always in the back of my mind, I'm like, mm, should I be telling that story? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do I really need to do that? Is that the best way to package this? Because we we're artists and we're creators and we want to be successful and we want to tell stories that reflect our experiences. And there's this tremendous responsibility, especially when. You're going to get one movie this year, maybe, uh, you know, two or three total that reflect these communities. Uh So Uh unfortunately, you know, like that means that every single one of those has to bear the brunt of like checking all the boxes and doing all the things or at least getting it right. Right. At at least being aware of these things. You know, the the director, John Chu, saying, oh, yeah, this is, you know, when asked about these things going, this is an important conversation, you know, that we should be having. And people are like, yo, bro, we're having it now. Like, you're, yeah, exactly. You're, you're making a movie about it. The, the conversation is now, you know, you need to be aware of it. It's not something to, to look forward for the next thing and be like, oh, yeah, we should have that conversation. Yeah, I, I, I think it's very, uh, I, I, I was surprised at the choice of director. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, you know, I, I, I have said this multiple times. I, I really considered when I was directing this for my my school. Do I have the right to direct this play? Because to me, it is, you know, it's not my story, and I I went into it knowing it was not my story. But I did feel that it 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 did tell a lot of the stories that my students could relate to. And so because my directing style was um, is very like actor focused, it's like I, I can tell you what I want, but you need to, you know, bring your story to it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to let them tell their stories in their, in their way. And it makes me feel a little bit better about doing this because I'm not trying to put my story into it. I'm trying to put their stories into it. But that was a huge, like – concern for me like is this the right thing to be doing right now um and now i look at this director and i'm like this this isn't your story you've told your story you had a very successful movie where you told your story but this isn't your story to tell so it does not surprise me that you are not telling it in a way that people are happy with you yeah absolutely I've had I've had students, and I, I'm so thankful for these moments when we were actually doing um, Bring It On, and um, one of the students was talking about the the difference between the hood and the ghetto. Ooh, yeah, and and was like because because certain people were using it interchangeably, and she was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah, and- let's stop and have this conversation. And certain people shouldn't be using them in either case. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, so you know, 
it was kind of like I'm I'm glad that we have you. Like I was like <laughs> assistant director. She's like yes please, and because, <laughs> because I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna continue to tell a story that I don't know how to tell. Yeah. If I don't have somebody here who's like keeping me in check and going, mm, this could be problematic. Let's let's rethink how we're doing this. Mm, yeah, for sure, absolutely. And I'm just like, you're doing it. <laughs> You're doing it in your high school play, you know? Mm -hmm. This is a multi-million dollar production. You've got a lot of responsibility here. And, you know, even sidestepping politics or whatever, that's fine. You 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 don't agree with that? Mm -hmm. Fine. Just business sense. Like, (laughs) like you don't want to, you know, uh, incur the wrath, uh, the righteous wrath of the community that you're trying to represent and that you're trying mm-hmm. to appeal to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a day finally where these things are being considered and talked about finally. So, um, yeah, you know, like I said, um, I think there's, I think there is a lot to enjoy about the story. I just wish it, you know, it was, if it had taken these things into consideration, I think it would, it would go over a, a lot better and, and poor, you know, people like poor Rita Moreno would not be put out there. <laughs> Did you catch that interview? No. Oh, she was on um, Stephen Colbert's show. And uh, he was, he, you know, Stephen knows what's going on. Colbert's trying to like, you know, keep, keep the interview above water. <laughs> right, right, right. And poor Rita goes, can we talk for a minute about the controversy around In the Heights? And you see Colbert go, uh, Sure. And she's like, you know, I just, I don't understand why people are complaining. You know, they should just be happy that, you know, we're, we're, they're finally getting what they asked for, which is some representation. <laughs> and you see Colbert looking for the uh, eject seat, like, uh, abort, <laughs> abort. Like, and, you know, she's older. I mean, she's probably not, you know, she, she's an important figure in, in theater and, you know, all that. But, you know, like she's probably not the best person, you know, to put a mic in front of at this time to, to comment on this. And Colbert's trying to save her. He, he tries to leave her an out. And she's just like, no, man, I want to say this. And uh, yeah, it was it was a trending story for a while there. Uh. <laughs> you know, um I think, you know, I know it's hard for people to hear, but I think it's great that these communities are speaking up now that, you know, there's there's a little more equality when it comes to like access to media and, you know, sharing a message, whether it be social media or online, you know, in some capacity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're, these opinions have always been there. You're just hearing them now. Right, right. You know, and I think that Lin-Manuel is talented enough, obviously, that if if he's true to his word, which you know all, all signs point to, yes, he is, and and his his apology statement was you know uh, sincere. I mean, I have no doubt that he's going to continue to educate himself, like we all are. And you know what I mean? Like I'm still excited about whatever thing he makes next because I think it's going to be better than the last thing that he made. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if he'll turn around and direct another production of In the Heights on Broadway because it's been a while. Whoa! And and try and and try and rectify it that way. I wouldn't be surprised. That feels like something he would do, and I'd wow. be right out for that. Really? Is that a thing that like 
artists do they'll go back and and revisit something from from the past oh yeah well i mean they they revitalize they redo shows constantly like they're constantly bringing shows back um and and changing them and altering them a little bit making them different i mean um when they did i'm trying to remember how long ago it was i want to say it was like maybe the early 2000s where they brought back um west side story Mm mm-hmm but they changed all of the shark dialogue to Spanish. Oh. So it was a bilingual play. That's cool. Um, and then there was a great – I don't know what made them do it this way, but there is a production of Big River. And what Big River is is basically it's the the book Huckleberry Finn, mm-hmm. but, it's, um, but it's a musical. It's a very good musical. Mm. And – what they did is they half the cast is non-hearing. And so they sign most of their lines and they have people who um, like the guy, the the kid who plays Huckleberry Finn um, is deaf, Mm -hmm. but he, he acts out the part and the person who played Huckleberry Finn on Broadway, the first time it went around, it plays, um, Mark Twain and kind of voices him. Oh, cool. And, and it's a very interesting mix of, of voiced and not voiced moments. Yeah. And there's a lot of moments where like the song will, will like a couple of really powerful moments where the, the, the music will drop out and it'll just be signing. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And the only time somebody of who, who is hearing impaired vocalizes Mm-hmm is when one of the women has her child taken away as a slave. Whoa. And and she cries out of very power. Like I'm I'm tearing up as I'm thinking about it. Um and she cries out and if you know if people have heard deaf people speak if they haven't really really worked to be able to to articulate now like it, it takes a lot of work if you can't hear to be able to to really be understood. Mm-hmm. The sound that she made on stage, Ray, was haunting. Oh God, I yeah, no. And <laughs> and it, but I mean, but it was so powerful, and it was, and it's like, so I think a lot of people do look at stuff from the past and say, all right, what can we do to make this more inclusive? What can we do this to make it yeah different? What can we do this to make it more representative? And so I can completely see him saying, hey. Let's let's try this again, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna obviously make another movie, yeah, because that's not gonna sell. But I can put this up on Broadway and and make it a little bit more diverse, and maybe fix some of the more problematic things in it. Wow, yeah, that's cool. I um, hope I hope because a I'd love to see it on stage, right. uh, directed by him, and right. b uh, you know I I would love to see him get a chance to kind of fix things. Um. You 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 know you know that the the creators behind the upcoming you know Steven Spielberg directed West Side Story are fucking like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean they gotta be because it's it's filmed already or at least it's it's set for release this December so maybe it's still filming or I don't know but oh man <laughs> you know they're like oh shit uh, I'm looking at the cast now going like okay. Okay, you know, like let's hope they had the right conversations beforehand because that's coming. I mean, that's coming out later this year. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I and I, I honestly, I don't trust anything that Steven Spielberg <laughs> does anymore. I just don't. I feel like he's lost so, so much contact with reality that oh. I mean, like Ready Player One. Oof. He got it completely wrong. And I'm not talking about he made changes. Like the core, the two core things that you have to get right with converting that book to a movie yeah. is is there are are gender race issues there that you need to take care of. Oh, and God, there God. is is um freedom of information stuff that you've got to take care of there. <laughs> and he got both of them wrong, like yeah. severely wrong. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, I remember watching that in the theater going, yikes. <laughs> so, um, I think, I mean, I think one of the lessons to take away from, from this is for me anyway, and this is something, you know, I, I was, I was excited to have this conversation with you, uh, mm-hmm. all week. And I was thinking about it this morning and thinking about like, you know, what I could take away from this. And for me anyway, it's, it's to be very wary of selling anything on, the merits of representation, inclusivity, that sort of thing, because that is a, that is an evolve constantly evolving and influx conversation and process. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that, I think you want to, you want to think about those things and you want to include them in your process, but to put, try to put a stamp on it as a, we did it y'all. You know, like, boom, representation approved. It's that, that to me, that just sets you up for the next iteration or the next level of understanding we have around that to which they can then point at your project and say, nope. You know what I mean? Um, It should be a given. It should be something, something we're constantly striving for, but maybe not something that we want to hang our hats on as, you know, part of part of why you should patronize this project of ours. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I still think that it, because it was set in Washington Heights, it would have had um, similar problems, but I think if they didn't approach it as, you know, Oh look, diversity. Yeah. Um, it would have, it wouldn't have impacted as hard. Yeah. I was surprised to see, you know, the scene with the flags and I was like, Oh yeah. And then I, I, you know, did some research afterwards and went, yup. Like he's, Ooh, he took a big swing there. <laughs> a yeah. And that, and that one, that one is in the play. Yeah. That is in the play. Yeah. I, I was like, Mexicans? What the fuck are Mexicans doing? Like, I'm Mexican. <laughs> like, what the fuck are Mexicans doing in this fucking, in this scene? You know what I mean? I, I've seen productions where they've used the rainbow flag and I'm like, not our story, guys. Oh, no. oh, <laughs> Pull that oh, back no. out there. Appreciate the attempt. <laughs> Yank that thing right off that stage, please. Not the time or place. No, you just exactly hit on my feeling when I saw that. I was like, oh, not our, not our story. Not. <laughs> I appreciate the shout out, Lin-Manuel. I appreciate it, but not our story. Yeah, yeah. No, this is great. I'm excited to see Hamilton with Rosie and kind of get her, her feedback. And honestly, just for her to hear like the cool songs. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I mean again we've we've like we do tend to to err on the on the dissection side. Like I still love this I still love the the play. I Yeah, I, I mean less, there's reasons to love it. Yeah, I was less I was less in love with the movie, but that tends to be the case when you adapt something from one to the other. Yeah. Um so, you know, I I I I do think that, you know, we're not saying you're a bad person if you enjoy it. We're just saying, exactly. "Hey, just be mindful of where other people might not have the same feelings. Exactly. And, 
you know, I love Marvel movies, not for their representation, <laughs> you know? And I think yeah. that when something comes out touting things like representation, it becomes an easy way to say, oh, well, that's a failure, you know? Right. If, if the MCU were to say, oh, man, we're going to give you action. We're going to give you diversity. It's like, <laughs> these, suddenly it's like, these movies are fucking terrible. Yeah. And well, I mean, what they do is they say, they, they have been saying we are trying to bring more diversity and yes. they, and they can, I can, they can back that up with receipts yes. and they say, Oh, Hey, you know, we tried to not be racist with um, the ancient one and mm-hmm. we, we done fucked up, <laughs> exactly. you know, and, but they own it and they, yes. you know, and they say, and I just like Lin-Manuel Miranda said in his thing, they're learning from it and they're mm-hmm. trying to be more, progressive but the 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 marvel movies they're not going other than with black panther yeah <laughs> they are not yeah. touting it on on diversity they're and they went they went all in on black panther as well yeah they really did and you, you know, know i what you were talking about with that whole like superhero of um uh, a non-white ethnicity mm-hmm um, I, I'm interested to see how Ms. Marvel goes over because that was the whole thing with that mm-hmm. that book mm-hmm. is that they they did it so well. I think I've told the story on here before where we gave it to one of our students at school who was having a rough time. Uh, my our friend Sean gave it to her, and she came running up to him later and she was like, "Oh my God, this girl's me!" Wow, because she was Pakistani and she wore the hijab and she's like, "I like." Wow. This this is me. And she's like I I th- this is my family. Like this is so spot on. So I hope that that carries on. That's so fascinating how that happens because I even know a couple of Latinas who love that character and basically say like I see so much of myself in this character. Mm-hmm. And it's so fascinating how, you know, uh Robert McGee, the screenwriter, writes in his book story um the point is to make your story as personal as possible. And eventually you get to a point where the personal becomes universal. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't be afraid of being specific because through that specificity, people will find where they identify with that. And that's what drives me nuts about all these people who are like, there's too much diversity now. And it's like, like a, that just doesn't even make <laughs> sense. And B it's like, you're missing out on all these stories. And just because you don't necessarily d- identify with it doesn't mean that you're not that somebody else isn't and it doesn't mean that you're not going to also yeah yeah like it just mm. yeah yeah and i think poor you know lemonwell he he i think his he attempted uh an all lives matter sort of message in all latinos matter all latinx people matter Mm -hmm. and you know again it's like yeah but like the point <laughs> is right now that there's part, there's people in our community that are not being represented and are not feeling that same equality. So not the, you know, maybe not the right time or format for an all Latinx, you know, cultures matter moment. Right. right. Um, but, you know, that being said, because Marvel has come out and owned their, you know, their shortcomings, it, it goes a long way towards me being able to enjoy Doctor Strange and enjoy, you know, their other things because they're owning up to it. So I'm super glad to see him release that statement. And I do think he's, you know, someone who's genuine with his words. And mm-hmm. so uh, the things that I did enjoy about Hamilton, obviously, I'm going to watch it again soon. The things I, you know, I do enjoy about In the Heights 
it'll be a lot easier to enjoy those things for, you know, for, for their own accomplishments, knowing that the, the, the creator is still learning on his journey of learning. Right. Whew. That was heavy. That was a, that was a, that was a heavy one. Man, I love it. I, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like in my element right now. Like, oh no! I mean, it's, but I mean, it's like you know, sometimes we just come off of a of a of a debate like this, you know, you know, yeah, which is better, you know, Superman or or Thor, <laughs> and and it's like, all right, that was fun. And this was just it was like, okay, did we did we cover everything? Are we okay? God, that's so Checking true. In. That is so true. We're all here. Okay. <laughs> That's so I didn't even fucking think about that, but you're right. People are like, oh, what you know, Marvel DC argument are we getting in this week's episode? Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, like it, honestly, if you've been tuning in at all <laughs> for the last 200 some odd episodes, <laughs> that was one thing that I was like really happy about because when we hit 200, I did go back and I look at a lot of our, our previous episodes. And I'm not I'm not sitting here patting myself on the back, um, but I do feel like okay, this is not something that we have just done recently. Like this is these are conversations that we've been having since the beginning of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you've been listening to this, I think they've gotten more in depth. I think they've gotten deeper. I think they've gotten more nuanced. I think they've gotten more perspectives. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we ever claim to be anything this yeah if that makes any sense like this is what we try and do is is kind of look at stuff and make sure that everybody feels involved and if they don't feel involved that you know that they they can appreciate where other people do feel like okay that's their thing and they enjoy it i mean this was the major hook for me when you you know <laughs> invited me onto this podcast i was like well what are you talking about oh yeah hell yeah i'm there let's they all those are the conversations i want to have yeah yeah absolutely cool. all right sir um yeah. Any shout outs? This is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, seriously, <laughs> like this is I'm one glad, of my I'm glad. favorite discussions to have with you. Um, I mean, shout out to you for putting this shit on my my radar. Because <laughs> I don't, yeah, know, absolutely. I don't know what it would be without having like a you know really really great friend who's a who's a theater geek. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, I do actually want to shout out to a person. He's he's a sorry, probably they are a writer uh, who go by Migrant Scribble. Um, Their name is Alan. I'm going to get his, sorry, I'm going to get their uh, last name correct here. So I'm looking it up. But um, they have a new article on this topic that was just published today on Teen Vogue. Uh, It is called on In the Heights, Imagination, and When Latinidad Falls Apart. And I drew on this article so much for today's conversation. It is by Alan Belaez Lopez, and it is on Teen Vogue as of this morning. It is a great article. Seek it out. Maybe we can link it. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead and toss it in uh, in Facebook, and I'll, I'll grab it and put it on there. Great. So shout out to Alan for their excellent writing. Awesome. Uh, I am going to, once again, I, I, I said at the beginning that I was shouting out to Chelsea this week, but also to Lyle. Um, and, and Katie has joined a, a couple times. Uh, Rob has hopped on once or twice. Uh, Ray's been able to catch here and there. So I just want to thank you guys all for um, for doing the rewatch with me. Um, I If I didn't 
I know me and I know if I hadn't said, okay, I'm going to do this with other people, I would never have done it. And I'm having a really good time. My husband's kind of like, you really are going to watch all these things. And I'm like, yeah, I'm honestly having, I'm having a blast. We're, we're laughing and, and joking around on Slack. And so uh, tonight at six, we're doing Ant-Man and I'm, I'm, I'm nervous because I want this to, to hold up to my memory of it. And yeah. you're seeing after having the, the the opinions of previous movies shift so much over the last two weeks, I'm like, okay, am I going to still love this as much as I loved it before? You have a lot of affinity for Mad Men. I, I mean, for Ant Man. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I because I just thought it was it was fun. And how do you not love Paul Rudd? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, that's what I get for trying to say Ant Man while looking at geek news right now. I'm just I'm looking at the the new costume for DC's Supergirl. And it looks fantastic. And of course, there's people complaining. I'm just like, good Lord. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, all right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music at by Ben Sound at bensound.com. geek to is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, the geek to geek Podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop, The Nerdberg Review, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, As the Dice Roll, and sometimes Rob, and mating habits of the modern geek. Also check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J, Bama Shocks, and Troidal Power, and make sure to join us on Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently, currently find us at geek2.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also sh- follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? You can find me on social media at Ray Vargas 3, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And if you want to go to rayvargas3.com, you can see my artwork there. Awesome. All right. We're going to be back with episodes two and three of Loki next week. Yes. Um, we are I'm I'm keeping pretty much a daily schedule of of the Marvel rewatch so jump on to uh, the geek geektitude slack channel I also post it in the um, live streaming discord channel of what we're watching and when um, usually it's three o'clock but since Matt's out of town right now um, we're doing uh, six o'clock starts because it doesn't interfere with dinner and yeah go ahead and join us But Mm -hmm. until next week, remember this week, keep it geek. 